We... Well, howdy do. <laughs> howdy doody. How's it going over <laughs> there? We're there in good old Springfield, Missouri. You know, I'm in Rogersville today, but um, oh, it's good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. And then travel so to drink again. Um, oh, yeah, because you guys are there with Tony's parents, your husband's parents. Yes. I'm over here at their house recording, doing a little bit of a mobile recording, you know. Hey, that's what we do. <laughs> that's what we do. Right. Well, I am trying to avoid drinking my drink just yet, but man, this Remsol, <laughs> it's like a blood orange something or another. And Ooh. It is tasty. Yum. So, What um, are you drinking? Obviously a margarita. A ranch water. Oh, a ranch water with juice in it. Yeah, a little bit of a blackberry flavoring. Nice. Just because spice it up, I guess. Right. I don't really know why. Yeah. Um but yeah, I was in kind of a hurry. I was running around frantic today, just feeling better, getting stuff done. So I was like, okay, ranch water it is. So. Yeah. Well, I made a um, pomegranate margarita in my <gasps> red little Starbucks cup. So I love it. Yeah. So that's what I'm drinking. I story behind that cup. I have the dark green one. You guys have <clears throat> probably seen it in the videos if you watch. Right. I don't really do the whole like Starbucks cup obsession thing, but those yeah. two cups came oh out my of Christmas, God. and I was like, yeah. Whoa. "Okay, I have to have that." Yes. Yeah, I so, love them. Um, other news too. Okay, what? I really gotta stop licking the salt. But um, <laughs> I do you ever get in phases where maybe you're like, okay, maybe a little too much cr true crime, and you used to kind of start getting paranoid. And no, okay, well I do. but I know you get paranoid at anything. Yes. Yeah, so, so I'm really, it's probably part of my anxiety, but I get really, like, jittery, and <clears throat> um, I also spend a lot of time by myself, and yeah. just, even, like, before we lived in Kansas City, like, with Nick's job, he yeah. used to travel, so I am the kind of person where it's like, okay, as soon as I get paranoid, I have to check every nook and cranny of the house, <laughs> I have to, like... If I'm, like, taking a shower or something, I have to, like, lock the bathroom door. I'm just like that. Oh, my God. Um, and it hasn't really happened in a long time. But last night, I went to bed just with a weird feeling. Um, okay. I don't know why. I was just like, mm, things are off. And I think it could have been I had this <clears throat> weird run-in uh, with a person. And I told Alexa in private, I'm not going to tell the story on here. Right. But I just had, like, an odd encounter. Maybe that was it. Um, Did you think he was, like, following you? Maybe? I had that feeling. <gasps> oh, I my God. How creepy. Yeah. But I get that feeling a lot of times when I meet weirdos, like, in public. Yeah. Um, not that he was necessarily a weirdo, but just weird vibes. Yeah. And, um, so, last night, we are laying in bed in Rogan, our dog, has sort of found his uh, dependence, and he has started sleeping in his crate in the bathroom, just okay. on his own. Well, I I don't know. Well, I Again, I went to bed with this weird feeling, and then in the middle of... Oh, I told Nick before we went to bed, which 
I was like, hey, can you double check that the door is locked? I don't know why. I was just like, please just double check the door is locked so I can sleep. Otherwise, yeah. I'm not going to sleep. Right. It wasn't maybe five minutes later. There was this huge crashing sound. And it came from our bathroom. <gasps> or a fact came from our bathroom. And Rogan went insane, barking, growling, just staring at the bathroom. <laughs> and I was like, uh-uh, I'm not playing. I'm like, Nick, we're searching the house. I don't care. This is I don't yeah. care how stupid it is. We're searching the house. <clears throat> so we did. We could not find the source of the crashing noise. So I was like laying in bed like, Nick, I'm going to have to take a Xanax. Like, I'm not going to sleep. So, anyways, I had to get up a second time and search the house myself and, like, see it for myself. And I'm I like, bet. I have to find, I have to find the source of this crashing. Rogan slept on top of Nick, which he Aww. does not do. <laughs> because he was so scared. And I'm like, okay, that's a sign. Okay, so what it was. Yeah, I was, was going to say, did you find out what it was? <laughs> Yeah. Yes, I did. What? I cleaned the shower and we have a shower speaker and it didn't stick to the tile oh, all the way. No. <laughs> and it came crashing down. But man, I was like, maybe, I don't know. It was just a weird night. So I was like, maybe I, I need to take a break because I already listened <clears throat> to so much true crime because of what we do. I'm like, Maybe when I'm home alone, I need to just take a chill pill. So. Maybe you need to, like, listen to Disney whenever you're at home by yourself. Oh, girl, you know that's already happening <laughs> once a day. So I go from, like, Disney to serial killers to Disney to serial killers. It's a great balance. Hey, you know it is. <laughs> so that was my experience. Oh, my God. Yeah, so anything new with you? Sorry, I have like a hair or something in my nose. Um, anything new or should we just jump right into this? I mean, nothing really new. You know, with me, I say let's uh, let's dive in. I'm okay, excited. Well, first and foremost, what is our drinking word? Uh, doctor. Okay, I knew. <laughs> I knew you were going to come. I, I just knew. Okay, guys. So real quick, uh, our disclaimer, the videos and podcasts are for entertainment purposes. All information discussed was found on the internet. Keep in mind, we'll talk all things sinister that may or may not be suitable for all audience, viewer, and listener discretion is advised. So you guys, I'm so excited to do this story. I oh have gosh. been doing extensive research, AKA I just started researching this morning. Oh my God. <laughs> You are such a procrastinator. It's terrible. I put in it's, like 20 hours of research to each story and you're like, oh, so by the bad. way, I just figured it out today. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's bad. Um, that stems from like performance and being like a, like a, what's it called? I don't really have a photographic memory, but anyways, it's, it's close to that. So I procrastinate cause I know that I can cram and it's going to work out. So <laughs> I'm excited for this. I have full confidence in myself. Here we go. Drinking word murder. No, oh, or sorry. doctor. <laughs> I retain information. Well, okay. So today we are talking about Harold Shipman, AKA Dr. Death. 
Whoa. AKA Angel of Death or in some cases the Good Doctor. So this man is oh wow, that's like three right there. I made a double because I knew it oh, yeah. was gonna be like this. That's why this is that big. Yeah, and Nick was like, You're making a double? And I'm like, uh yes, this is gonna be a doozy. Yep. So, quick spiel of this man. He is was a general practitioner based out of England who murdered his patients, if you didn't guess that by the name. Um, it was mainly elderly women, and he is considered one of, if not the most, prolific serial killer in modern history who single-handedly changed the medical world. Absolutely. Guys, this story is insane. It's so, so crazy. <laughs> it is nuts. And so the first the first crazy thing, I I was like, okay, find new information because his story is pretty straightforward. Unfortunately, he really did not have a crazy childhood. Yeah. But we're going to start with some of the uh what I titled Capricorn Connection. Ooh. So he was born January 14th in 1946 in Nottingham. So I, when you research Capricorns in relations to how they play out as doctors. Drank. Oh, shit. <laughs> Not today. Mm -mm. So... I actually found several articles for whatever reason of when you're that profession as a Capricorn Ooh. and it's going to blow <clears> your mind. <throat> so Capricorns, you guys have great patient doctor relations because, um, yes, drink again. We gonna be lit. <laughs> um, you guys tend to have light humor patience and the ability to connect and this is specifically keep in mind it's very important patience okay. with their doctor which i'll drink in a minute i'll keep count okay <clears throat> capricorns are easy or uh, and this again is in relation to the profession itself easygoing nature so it makes them very welcoming it gives off a calm environment however when it comes to a Capricorn doctor and co-workers, they have an inability to trust their co-workers and their opinions so of, like, I guess, them or their practice. So they don't trust their, like, nurses or their PAs right. or whatever. Right. Because they right. are, like, the know-it-all. <clears throat> exactly. So, wow. fun fact. Fauci is a Capricorn. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay. That one got its own bulletin point because I yeah. knew you would love it. Oh, that's so, great. 
That is great. It's so, so fucking great. Keep that in mind as well. Okay. Um, Capricorns aside, just in in general, are considered worker bees. Mm -hmm. They love to make their own rules and they strive for the highest of positions. Mm -hmm. um, as far as the downside of Capricorns or the cons of Capricorns, they are brutal when angry and emotionally cold. Mm -hmm. Honestly, throughout the story, I really just want to focus on the fact that their their relationships with patients versus their relationships with coworkers and the whole um, emotionally cold side of things. I mean, it's just going to blow your mind how accurate that is with Mr. Shipman. Oh, I'm so, so excited. <laughs> Here we go. Here we Marty, go. 10 drinks in. <laughs> um, Harold Shipman, who I will mainly just refer to as Shipman. Uh, like I said, January 14th, 1946, he is the middle child of three and went by Fred as a kid. He, again, super normal childhood. He His dad was a truck driver. His mom was a stay-at-home. They were a normal working-class family. Um, and it is kind of important to point out that a lot of serial killers have relationships like that. Dad is not in the picture. Mom is mainly in the picture. Right. But... What's crazy is he did not have, other than just being distant from his father, no issues. Okay. A lot of times we hear of, like, you know, abuse with the dad or... Alcoholism or alcohol, drug addict or... Yeah. And if that stuff was happening, it was never reported uh, by his siblings or, you know, people who knew them in life. But um, they were devout Methodists. His mom was domineering. She wanted her kids to always strive for the best, specifically Shipman or Fred, I guess. All the kids were Shipman, but specifically him. She saw his potential and really pushed him to excel. And it's pretty typical for most parents, I feel like. Mm -hmm. um, got a lot of good information from biography.com. And this is a direct quote from them saying she insisted, sorry, instilled in him an early sense of superiority that tainted most of his later relationships, leaving him an isolated adolescent with a few friends. Wow. So, um, anyways, moving on. Well, and he that was like, goes to talk about, you know, just his relationships in general. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously, you're going to talk a lot about, you know, the doctor-patient relationship, but just his relationships in general, I mean, that stems from a very young age in his childhood yeah. and, yeah, and i feel like i mean other than it's probably not a good idea to teach your kids to be arrogant assholes but as far <clears> as <throat> being confident in themselves pushing right. them to excel that's kind of the vibe i was getting from her she wasn't yeah. they were very close he was really close with his mom um yeah. so he was very accomplished in sports specifically rugby and again very intelligent at the age 11, so now we're in 1957, he passed his 11 plus, which over in England is um, an exam taken that basically allows you to get into a better school, like a grammar school or secondary school. So okay. I guess what we would consider like high ACT, SAT scores. Or like honors. Yeah. Yeah. Honors, <clears throat> schools, things like that. Private schools. So he went on to a grammar school. He, again, excelled in running. He became an athletic vice captain, blah, blah, blah. However, at the age of 17, so just about six years later, his mom did die of lung cancer. She was 
um, she had home hospice, like, or the equivalent of in care, uh, in home care. And because of the aggressiveness of the cancer, she was given morphine um, or a lot of drugs similar to that mm -hmm. to just literally ease the pain. This was a terminal illness. Yeah, she was so dying. She was actively <clears throat> dying. And because Fred was so close to her, he oversaw all of this. He was by her side through everything. And, of course, that meant he witnessed it. He saw how these drugs helped her. He saw the pain that she went through. And this is a ma this was a major turning point in his life because of how tragic and traumatic it was for him. So, in 1963, uh, she passed. This is a year before he graduated grammar school. So again, super influential time in your life. You're already a loner. Yeah. Um, you've already got a brain that is above average intelligence. So everything is just on hyper alert and it's just really bad timing for him. So, um, moving on to that, uh, three years after this, he, um, he goes into study medicine, but he does get married despite him, his kind of like personality flaws, I guess her name. I love it's Primrose May. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> yeah, isn't that cute? Well, she's not exactly a saint, but anyways. <laughs> well, she's not that. cute. But but <laughs> she's got a cute name, so good for her. Uh, she was 17 at the time they got married, and he's also young, too. So somewhere in his 20s, maybe even 20 exactly, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, she was pregnant <clears throat> with their first child, so it was kind of a quick thing. Uh, but they did go on to have four kids in total. And even at this time, I know I've said it, but just to kind of reiterate, he is still, as an adult, considered a loner mm -hmm. and later described as normal and unremarkable. Wow. I think unremarkable is the worst. I would rather be called normal than normal. Yeah, unremarkable. That's like unmemorable. It's like, you know? who are you? Yeah. Which, I mean, kind of makes sense later. But, wow. Um, so he studied medicine, um, Leeds School of Medicine or University of Leeds. He graduated in 1970 at the age of 24. So again, wow. yeah, he's smart. excelling. Very smart guy. Um, very hardworking. He starts working at West Riding of Yorkshire. Uh, it's a subdivision of Yorkshire, England. Do you say Yorkshire or Yorkshire? York, Yorkshire. Okay. I just want to make sure. So you know, me. in 1970, <laughs> when he graduated, like he graduated and became a doctor, right? No. Okay. Well, I mean, he does have his degree, I'm assuming. I'm, England schools are very weird in how they work. Um, it didn't say exactly what he graduated with, but when he started working at this um, uh, this current hospital, he had failed a couple of things that qualified him as a doctor. So it doesn't say exactly what he did for the hospital, but he was on his way. So it's almost like like the the field here where they have to. You know, uh, what do I want to say? Like residency. They yes. have to have so many years of residency before yes. they can actually be a doctor. 
sounds yes. kind of like that. something similar. Or kind of like <clears throat> when you, you're becoming an attorney, you have to pass the bar, and then you can right. become an attorney. It's kind of like that. He didn't okay. pass his, his official exams. But um, it only took, where was my place? <clears throat> Excuse me. So four years later, after working in this hospital, I guess equivalent to completing his residency, he does get hired as a general practitioner, um, which I, I'm pretty sure we all know what a general practitioner is, but it's equivalent to just a family doctor. So just all the basics. Um, mm -hmm. it, that's just kind of important to know. Um, this is his first time becoming of this position. And this is in West Yorkshire, specifically Todd Morden. And I could be totally saying that wrong. But we anyways. need to ask our uh, friend Dom. I know. <laughs> friend of the podcast. Right. He is probably like, oh, I've heard this story a million times. So Probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, one year into his job, he was caught forging prescriptions of brand name Demerol which is um, very similar to morphine. Mm -hmm. It is highly addictive. It's an inductible <clears throat> narcotic, and it's used to treat pain um, or medicine pre-post-surgery. So, again, very similar yeah. to morphine. Um, in high doses, it's toxic. So, although this medicine is used today, hardly used because of its toxicity, and uh, it's only supposed to be used short term or for immediate pain. So it is, he was having seizures. It is not known if these seizures were real or not, but that is something that kind of led to him getting caught. Um, wow. Yeah. A lot of people suspect that he was actually caught forging these prescriptions and then he claimed to have seizures as sort of like, Hey, that's why why I'm taking this medication. Hmm. Um, but regardless, he was fined an equivalent um, $820, which in today's money is $4,600. Still a very small fine for yeah. a doctor. Uh, he briefly attended a drug rehab, and he was convicted of forgery. Wow. So he was only convicted of forgery, not for like prescribing malpractice. medicine, yeah, to himself, which would be zero malpractice, malpractice. zero wow. malpractice or uh, medical <clears throat> misconduct. Yeah, which you will hear a lot of in the story. So damn. Um, 1977. So again, this is only seven years after graduating. He's very new in his career. He moved his practice. Um, to Hyde, which is near Manchester. It's only about 40 miles or about one hour away from where he's from. It's still all relative, but far enough to where you're not going to see the same faces. And this is kind of where his personality, um, people described him as arrogant, especially like his younger staff members, uh, which is one of the main reasons that he moved to this area. He's like, I got to get away from these people. Um, he was very, I don't want to say sarcastic. He just had a God complex and this mm. was already showing in his practice. And despite his patients absolutely loving him, mm -hmm. no one wanted to work with him. They just thought he was kind of an asshole. 
Wow. Yeah. So I so, guess that like would kind of stem from his childhood, like mom, you know, yes. thinking that he was like the best. Yes, exactly. Huh. Yep. So he worked in this area of Hyde all throughout the 80s. He was at one point even interviewed for a documentary called World in Action. Um, I don't know if it's available in the U.S. because it's a U.K. documentary. I did not look it up because, <laughs> you know, I started this morning. Um, so, <laughs> and this documentary, he did an interview on how to properly treat mentally ill people within a community. So, like, how you should look at people with depression and anxiety or just, oh like, God. how to care for these people. Wow. Hilarious. Yeah. So, 1993, the best year ever, he established his own surgery facility. So, I, what I'm guessing, again, UK stuff is kind of weird, and I kind of got lost in how it works there, but he still had his um, general practitioner and all of his patients, and then they also, I guess, performed <clears throat> surgeries, and he kind of went hand in hand with that. Because he's not a surgeon. Keep right. Okay. So he had his own facility. And I made a note again, supposedly due to his mood swings and inability to get along with previous staff members. This is when he 100% this is his. Um, he was also a very well respected of the community at this point. So a lot of his previous patients in the Hyde area because when he moved to Hyde, he moved into um, someone else's practice. Mm -hmm. He was like, I want to be the sole practitioner of my practice. There were no other doctors working in this facility as general practitioners except for him. So. Wow. And patients followed. Patients really connected well with this guy. Yeah. Wow. So. I would love to say that from here, he went on and had a successful career and everyone <laughs> survived. But that's not how the <laughs> that story is goes. Not what happened? My notes say story ends. <clears throat> not. Wah, wah, wee, wah. Wah, wah, wee, wah. Great success, not. So, again, this is in 1993 that he started this, um, his own facility. So in March of 1998, fast forward to some time, a, another surgeon or some form of doctor by the name of Linda Reynolds, she expressed concerns to the local coroner of the high death rate coming from Shipman's practice, specifically the number of cremations that he had signed off for. Wow. So the coroner was like, yeah, hmm, that's kind of weird. So especially in cremation, specifically from elderly women, they were like, oh. okay, it's really strange that we're seeing a pattern of in deaths. So uh, an investigation was opened, mm -hmm. uh, but police were unable to find sufficient evidence. And this was closed after one month. Well, so, and I mean, he was well respected. And yes. his patients loved him. So people were like, loved what the him. hell? Yep. Um, and when it, it was brought to his attention, obviously, during the investigation, and his explanation was seemingly <laughs> normal. I mean, he's dealing with older patients. They pass. And as morbid as it sounds, I mean, it's it 
hospitals know. My dog is barking. Rogan. Anyways, um, it is known that patients are going to die. So you're yeah. almost like allotted a certain number of people to die before it kind of raises any red flag. red flag, yeah. He kept medical records of the patient's history and was able to explain all of it. So at this time, so, was he actually like murdering his patients? Or... Oh, yes. Oh, okay. So oh, he was. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. We'll get into that. <clears throat> Oh, my God. So, I'm kind of telling you the surface, and then I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you what was really happening Damn. underneath it all. Okay. <laughs> so, um, after this investigation was closed after one month, three people almost immediately died afterwards. It doesn't give the time frame, but it was kind of like, plop, it's over. Plop, plop, plop. People died. Yeah. Um, what we're going to call the GMC, it stands for the General Medical Council. They, and that's who oversees, like, any misconduct. I don't know what it's called here in the United States, but it's the medical it's board. It's like the board, yeah. Yes, it's it's just exactly like that. Yeah. They were not given any notice or report that mm-hmm. this investigation was happening, so they were completely unaware. Oh, my gosh. Um, and during this investigation, no criminal records were pulled on Shipman, so they had no idea of, like, his time in rehab or his forgery, um... Literally nothing. Forged prescriptions, yeah. Yeah. They basically went to him and said, did you do it? Can you explain why this is happening? And he said, I didn't do it. Here's why it's happening. And they said, okay, then we have nothing to go on. Wow. That was not the first time he could have been caught, but certainly a major point where he could have been. Yeah, I mean, if they would have just, like, dove into any little thing that he had done in his past. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They would have been, oh, wow. They would have seen, like, oh, wow, this guy's kind of a piece of shit. Um, yeah, or at least he's a little sketch. Right. You should just dig a little deeper. Right. You know? Um, so... Four months after the investigation closed, so again, we are in 1998, now August of 1998, a taxi driver spoke with the police accusing Shipman, like directly saying he murdered 21 patients. The reason why he did this is because this taxi driver frequently took elderly people to and from the hospital He would obviously kind of at least get their name and what they're doing on these rides. Right. And he claimed that these elderly patients were seemingly in good health. They would just go to the hospital for normal things elderly people go for. uh Uh-huh. And notice that 21 of them had died (gasps) under Shipman's care. So good for him. So this taxi driver is taking these elderly people to the hospital and yeah. realizing that they're never coming back. Right. Yes. And he's like, he, he just puts it together that something yeah. is going on. And they all happen to be Shipman's patients. And not necessarily that they weren't coming back. Um, I have a feeling this taxi driver um, maybe knew these, like they got to know him. Like maybe he took, if he took you once, he's probably going to take you multiple times. Yeah. Shipman also made house calls. He oh. was a very, like, 
old school, <clears throat> traditional doctor who wanted that connection with his patients and would oftentimes make house calls. So, and I feel like that was kind of in that time, like normal yes. in England, yeah. especially in England. Yeah, wow. exactly. So, uh, beep, bop, ba, doop, bop, bop. Okay, so. In 1998, there was a body in question that was a patient of Shipman's. It was exhumed, finding this woman's cause of death, to be, which he claimed to be old age, was false. Documents and her will were forged. <gasps> there was evidence of a typewriter in Shipman's home that he used for the forgery, but more on this later. So. Oh, my God. Way to go, taxi driver. It's actually not really, he doesn't get the claim for really finding out what happened, but he did leave a major tip to the police. So let's wow. go over Dr. Shipman's um, overall motive and his MO. Okay, I'm ready. So, Dr. Shipman. Oh, shit. Dr. Shipman. <laughs> oh, shit. He mainly targeted elderly women over the age of 65. Um, it was noted again by this coroner that we mentioned earlier in the story that opened the first investigation on him that the patients died fully clothed, usually in an upright positions and sometime in a settee, which I had to Google what that yeah, is. What it's is like a settee? It's like, you know, this is like fancy, <clears throat> like loungy looking armchairs, like, it's usually a girl like laying on her side like this, you know? Okay. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, very huh. fancy. Um, and think about it. I, I was like, well, why is that unusual that they're clothed and sitting up? It's because all of his patients were documented as natural death. Well, do you just naturally die always, always sitting up, fully clothed, sitting up? No, no. There are people who die, especially elderly. You die in your sleep. Yeah. In a nightgown. Yeah. And these aren't people like. When we say fully clothed, it's not like clothed or naked. It's like they are clothed head to toe like they just got back from, from an event. From the store. From the store. Or from, from work. Wow. Something along those lines. They're never asleep in bed. They're never um, gardening in their backyard. In the they're shower. In the yeah. shower. You know, it's, it's always that. And they're like, yeah, that's kind of strange. Hmm. <laughs> so he would inject these patients with a lethal dose of diamorphine, which is heroin. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> although this is a medication, it is not used for these purposes. So this not diamorphine, <laughs> yeah, not anymore. So diamorphine um, is used for se severe pain from surgery, terminal illness, um, heart attack. Again, it is heroin. So. Yeah, I was going to say, like, <sighs> in that time, they gave it to patients who were literally dying, like, on mm -hmm. the deathbed, like, hospice patients. So, like, the story of his yeah. mom, like, they would have yes. given it to her, you know, to make her comfortable so that she yes. would slowly die from that, like, going to cardiac yeah. arrest or whatever. Exactly. <clears throat> so, um the death certificates were always signed as natural cause. Um, he forged patients' medical records to fit his natural death narrative, and sometimes even after their death. So 
Most of the time he planned these things in advance. Again, he's just a general practitioner, but he would come in and say, you know, showing signs of old age, having this, having that, having this chronic pain when that wasn't the case. Like they were going in for checkups. They were going in because they needed some blood drawn. I mean, just the simplest of things. So, yeah, um, there was never at any point in his career except for that time with the uh, the coroner and the other facility that there was ever suspicion of foul play. So that is negligence due yeah. to the legal system and due to the medical the board. board. Yeah. Like, because there was absolutely foul play that could have been caught many times. Well, especially if every single one of these elderly women are dying the exact same way. Yes. I mean, exactly. hello. This doctor, I mean, yeah, he's a good doctor, but at the same time, he's looking for things that he can do. Exactly. Yep. Oh, yeah, like three times. Mm-hmm. So, his motive is this is all alleged because we'll get into that why they really know nothing about this guy how they really don't know how his mind works um but they assume uh one of like three or four things it's either he's grieving and or avenging his own mother's death and pain and suffering Mm -hmm. that was so traumatic for him that he is just reliving this over and over again um, one theory, he is possibly practicing what he considered humane euthanasia because he wanted to relieve the burden of the sick and elderly people in the healthcare system. So, hey, oh. you're, you're X amount years old, you're near death. I'm just going to speed this up for you. So I don't have to deal with this anymore. And, and your oh family doesn't have to deal with you anymore. No one has to deal with you anymore, and we can get to the young and the the healthy. So that's one theory. Um, Last is that he just had an addiction to killing. Like, literally, he had the power of life and death, and he took advantage of that. He liked knowing that he could keep people alive or murder people or really control what was happening. Because, again, a lot of these patients were healthy. So he was in control of their decline. Mm -hmm. So some people just said he is what you would call a cold blood killer. Yeah. Um, Despite later, like I mentioned, there's a forgery of a will and we're going to get into that. There was no financial motive whatsoever, which is also kind of crazy. But I, I don't feel like that's really a thing with serial killers. I feel like it's always power. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. They want to see what they can get away with. Yeah, exactly. So the main part of this, um, actually the biggest part of the story is the trial and the aftermath and basically everything that is just assumed of this guy. So the trial began in October of 1998. Uh, After six days of deliberation, he was charged with murder of 15 elderly women by lethal injection of diamorphine between the years 95 and 98. So, and one count of forgery. Woo, whoop de doo Only so, one? Oh my God. One count. Because of the one <laughs> will 
that he forged. The prescriptions weren't technically forged. He was, that wasn't a secret. So keep oh that in God. mind. They knew what he was doing. And we'll yeah. get into that too. So um, he was given life imprisonment, uh, never to be released. So the law kind of works different in England. They, um, even if you were given like a life sentence, it doesn't necessarily mean you spent life in prison. Uh, but this actual sentence meant your whole life. They made sure of that. Again, it's kind of weird how it works. But, um, and then he got four four years for forging the will. Ooh. So a life in four <laughs> years. And then 10 days later, he was removed from the GMC. Huh, hello. Wow. They finally stepped in. Oh so, my God. Yeah, wow, a little late. Wow. A little yeah, late. a little late for that. So this is the case that brought all of this to light. So in 98, a year before, this is his last patient slash victim. Her name is Kathleen Grundy, and she is the former mayoress of Hyde. So the town that he's doing all of this in, as you can imagine, she probably respected the hell out of this guy. Right. So she was found dead in her home of June 89, uh, or sorry, Wow, totally got that mixed up. 98 at the age of 81. So okay. she was an older lady. Mm -hmm. She, in her, I mean, even in an old age, she was considered fit and healthy as far as much as an 81-year-old woman could be. But she was a very active woman even in her early life. And Shipman was the only, um, wait, hold on, was at the home, oh, sorry, <laughs> Wow, jumbled notes. Okay, so Shipman was came to her home. So the the reason for the appointment was obviously very important. He came to her home to draw blood for just a normal checkup, checkup. for an eighty one year old woman, <clears throat> and instead injected her with a legal dose of diamorphine. <gasps> Can you imagine? So like. Like, she is a well-known, respected woman in the community, getting, like, her normal checkup from her doctor, getting her blood drawn, and he kills her. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wrong move, Dr. Shipman. Wrong oh, move. Really wrong move, and here's why. Oh. So... He was the last to see her alive. That was mm. documented. Um, he signed her death certificate listed as natural death by old age. And Kathleen did have an older daughter. And this is the same with all of his patients. Obviously, the family want, wants answers, especially ones whose relatives were in good condition. Mm -hmm. He assured them assured them that this is just what happens this is the natural course of life it's tragic but true and <laughs> nearly all of them believe that so he assured um kathleen's daughter that this is that an autopsy wasn't needed we don't need an autopsy your mom was 81 <clears throat> and i feel like most people would go along with that like that is fair for her however um, Kathleen's daughter was a lawyer and she oh, dealt shit. with her mother's affairs. So she was listed on everything. She knew it, every legal move her mother was doing and being a former mayor, I'm sure there was a lot on her plate. There was probably yeah. a lot of money to deal with. 
And another attorney, a separate mm. attorney, approached her daughter and said, did you know there was a will? And she said, no, because I handled the affairs and there wasn't a will. <gasps> I was given everything. So she said, oh. this isn't right. And even this lawyer was like, yeah, there, um, there's some major issues with authenticity of this will. So... He done messed with the wrong bitch. With the wrong family. It's almost because, like he wanted to get caught. Like, what a fucking well, idiot. Yeah. So, wow. he, not only was there a will that the daughter wasn't aware of and the second lawyer suspicious of, but in the will, it excluded the daughter completely and all of her <laughs> children, so Kathleen's grandkids, and it left an equivalent to um at the time so in late 90s it was five hundred and thirty thousand dollars all to shipmen that is equivalent to nearly a million dollars that is eight, such a red flag eight hundred or eight hundred and ninety thousand dollars in today's worth of money all mm -mm. to shipmen mm -mm. so she's like mm, no that's that's not right so, so in before this sorry before no, you're this good. Was this the only, I mean, obviously he had forged, you know, that other will or whatnot, but was this. No, the, this is the will he forged. This is the only will that he forged because yes. he wasn't like motivated by money prior. So. Right. Right. No. And that's why they say other than this case, there was wow. no financial motive. <clears throat> and they, and so there's theories to why this one happened. Um. So, anyways, real quick, the daughter went to the police. It reopened an investigation. This is also the body that I mentioned earlier was getting exhumed. Yeah. So, this body was exhumed. They found traces of the diamorphine. Shipman claimed that Kathleen had an addiction, that she had a problem. At 81 years old, she wanted to be comfortable. She had a problem and said, here. Look at my medical journal that I hand wrote myself or typed or whatever they right. did. Right. It wasn't way. on a computer. And so they're like, hmm, that's interesting. But we know you have to document this stuff through the hospital or through your facility. Let's see the computer, bitch. Yeah. So they opened the computer and found that none of this was priorly documented. documented. And that actually this was all written after she died. So it's not even like with his other patients where he was kind of occasionally like as he, he would, goes as, yeah, he's documenting yeah, like no. real time. This was hundred percent. Exactly. So because <clears throat> of how badly he, for lack of a better term, fuck this case up, it's suspected that he wanted to get caught. And right. again, this is all presumed because he spoke zero times to anyone that he wanted to get caught because obviously things were out of control and we'll talk about the death yeah. count in a minute. Um, others say that because this was the first time that there were, there was a financial gain that he planned to retire at 55 years old um, or run away, take the money and run. Cause he knew he was going to get caught soon. Or again, it kind of plays into the um, addiction of just killing people and letting it get the best of you. Oh, my God. Like, psychopath. Meanwhile, yeah. everyone 
all of his patients love him. Right. I just can't imagine. I can't, I can't imagine. even, like, imagine, yeah, like, the media at that time. They were probably yeah. like, there's no fucking way. Like, how, can you imagine living in that neighborhood or even being a patient of his? Yeah, I was going to say. being able to trust a doctor again. Like, him being their doctor and being like, whoa, yeah. what the fuck? Like, we could have e- easily been <laughs> okay. one of the victims. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, obviously... With this all, oh, and there were, like, fingerprints, like, they had so much evidence that it tied to Kathleen that, I mean, the fingerprints weren't even really necessary, but that just kind of solidified it. Right. <clears throat> um, so, because of this, they obviously started researching other cases, specifically 15 um, specimens, which specifically means cremated remains, for mm-hmm. people who don't realize that. So it's, um, they also realized, the police, during this investigation, way too late, that in 1996, so about two years prior to all this happening, this doctor had an excess of 67 deaths at, at, at his own hand. So earlier when I was saying that, like, I man, I don't really know how to put it without sounding like just way too cold but like you're allowed a certain you're allotted a certain number of patients to die things go before it becomes suspicious yeah before it becomes yeah suspicious raises any flags and sometimes it literally just happens you know there are accidents there are allergies to medications right there are infections uh he was at an excess of 67 in a single year so, sixty-seven. That's a lot. Yeah, like that's whenever they were first looking into him, it was like twenty-one, and now it's sixty-seven. It like tripled, and that's the excess number. That's not Holy number shit. of deaths. That's not he had sixty-seven deaths. That's sixty-seven over his whatever a lot over his count. Is. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> so, oh my god. Um. When he was, like I said, charged for just 15, why wasn't he charged for all of the deaths? Yes. So, there was obviously a very high publicity Mm -hmm. of this case. Um, So, they did not think that they were capable of a fair trial. It was way too publicized. Too many people knew. There's too many people associated with... They had already got him on 15 life sentences. He was for sure, without a doubt, stuck in that prison until the day that he died. So they were like, let's not fuck this up. Let's keep it at what it is and be good with it. And because it was also going to probably, I mean, he had been practicing for decades. Yeah. He started in 70, 74, 75. Yeah, for like 30 years. We're in the 90s. Like, they were like, for us to prove all of this, like, let's leave it at what it is. They would still be investigating today, probably. Oh, I'm sure. So, and again, you're allotted some deaths. Like, some deaths are normal. So, it's like going into, you know, who's dead, who's not. A lot of, most, most of his patients were cremated. So, you run into that issue. So, anyways. Um... Till the day that he died slash killed himself, 
Mm-hmm. He denied his guilty sentence. He never admitted to anything. In fact, he never made a single public statement. He denied. So basically, he was offered courses in prison that would lead to self-enlightenment, help you acknowledge what you are and what you have done. And he denied the course in general, refused to take these courses. And because of that, he lost privileges in prison, whatever those are. Um, But the most important being phone calls to his wife and family. So the entire time he's in, or most of the time he's in prison, he never spoke to his wife, (gasps) who also maintained his innocence even after his conviction. Of course she did. What the fuck, Primrose? We were counting on you and your pretty name. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, yeah, your husband's a doctor, and he's probably telling you, like, these people died of natural causes or whatnot, but at at some point in time, you have to realize that the authorities aren't full of shit, especially that mayor's daughter. Like, she's not full of shit. Like, she knows... That her mother was murdered. Yep. And even though, like, we see the will forgery of such a small part, like, would that not have told her? Would that not have said, hmm, if he didn't do it, then why did he forge the will? Yeah. Hmm. Why Uh, is he needing hmm. almost a million dollars? It sounds like to me he knew he was going to get caught. And he wanted this to be like his last shebang before he retired to have that money and to no longer kill people. Yeah. So to her defense, slightly, like we'll say 5%, um, it is said that maybe later she did believe that he was guilty because he didn't talk, because he refused these courses. And you would think he would at least try to prove his innocence. And he didn't know. But she never spoke either. So there is. I was listening to this YouTube video where they talk about the psychology of a serial killer or just people in general, like this Dr. Grand, I think is his name on YouTube. He studies like celebrities and it's all alleged because he doesn't know these people personally. Mm -hmm. But he talked about how we know so much about serial killers because all they have is time in prison. Time in their mouth. Yeah, we study them, we listen to them, we, and he, he's like, despite what, how this man changed mm-hmm. the world, yeah. we know little to nothing about him because he didn't have friends. Um, he was a fraud the entire, yeah. his entire life. He wasn't who he said he was. So, and then he killed himself. Like- and then he killed himself. Yeah. So, uh, he committed suicide in 2004, January 2004, so a day before his 58th birthday. He is the, I'm going to hit y'all with some straight up facts that are so good. So he is the <laughs> only doctor in British history to be found guilty of murdering their patients. Wow. I mean, the only doctor in the UK. I mean, welcome to America, where, I hate to say it, a lot of doctors. We got lots of those. We got lots uh, there of ha- them. And there have doctor. been a... F- oh, sh- oh, sh- sh- <laughs> 
There have been a few doctors um, that have been acquitted. So a few people have been accused, but not um, not been charged. Um, this is obviously, or at the time, brought forth a lot of questioning of any British medical board and also their entire legal system. So the victim's families um, honestly felt cheated by his suicide. He hung himself yeah. in his cell by with bed sheets. They, there was never going to be closure. They were never going to get an answer, and they weren't going to get any admittance to what he had done. And so they were like, whatever, he's a coward. Mm-hmm. So, and because of this, it also brought concern. So we're already questioning the medical and legal system in Britain, but it also brought concern of the state of the prisons because they question the, the well-being of the inmates and, because they're like, if they're headed to this point of killing themselves, there's off, obviously no, like, reformation in prison. Right. Which is, I mean, it is the goal. So right. some even suggested what they call indefinite sentencing, which... I don't know. I haven't really decided what my opinion of all of this is, but that basically means that you're given a true life sentence with the hope of a future release. So you're not Hmm. just sitting in prison knowing I'm going to die. So um, you you want to get better. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, if we think about it, like everything is a mental game. Right? right. So it's like if you are thinking that you're gonna die, why I mean, not you're kill thinking, yourself? Yeah, why not kill yourself or why not act out or kill others or you know, do whatever you yeah. want in prison? Like you hear of yeah people on like in life, you know, they're for life, they don't give a shit. So they're gonna do whatever they want or they're gonna kill themselves. But the opposite, if they have a future release, they're gonna act right, they're gonna try to make themselves right. better. So I mean, I get that to an extent, yeah. but some oh, I, people I, are just fucking crazy, and yeah. it's not going to help them. Well, the way where I question it, I, I get, like, the mental game that it plays and how that could do some good, but at the same time, in that, there is no justice for the families. No. Because it's like, you're giving them Another chance. Of, you're giving them hope of return, but, like, what did our family members get? Nothing. They got brutal murder. Yeah. So, it's kind of like, oh, man, that's a tough one. <clears throat> yeah. So, <clears throat> um, let's see here. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, so, when he committed suicide, there was no motive for suicide. Um, he wasn't, didn't have, like, attempts at suicide and failed. Like, this was very sudden. Um, which again, it also brought on like the security of the prison. Like, how did you not catch this? But, uh, there was one time that I think his parole officer or somebody that was connected to him recalled a conversation where he expressed concern for his wife's financial well-being once he had died. They're like, what is she going to do? Um, because for whatever, however their laws work at the, if he would have turned 60, after the age of 60, she was no longer given his pension. So, so he killed so, himself so they could be, so they could have money. Yeah. So his wife could go I mean, at least he was thoughtful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, I, I mean, she didn't kill people. She was yeah. wrong in her support, but it wasn't yeah. her doing the killing. So, I mean, at least he did her a favor there. 
Yeah. So um, there was this huge report, which was kind of like a compilation of smaller reports done between the years 2001 and 2005. So right before he died and right, or sorry, right before, yeah, right before he died and right after. Mm-hmm. And these people were like, we're going to do the work. We are going to figure out how many people he killed. And they did. And it is frightening. So this is where shit gets really scary. So they linked deaths to, or sorry, let's put it this way. We need to establish there is a difference between a death and a murder. So they Mm. linked shipment to the murders of patients starting from his first practice, which was around 1975 um, and ended in 98. They discovered a variety of age range, which it wasn't common, but there was some. There was like one man who was 41, and there was also a girl who was four years old. (gasps) Not common. In fact, it was so uncommon, it's not even considered part of his MO. But there were a variety, so it wasn't all all elderly women. Oh, my God. Here's the big number. Oh, let me guess. Okay, yeah, guess. Total so, number of, of deaths in his care. Just take a guess. Deaths in his care from 75 until 98. Yep, so about I'm going to guess. A little okay. under. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to guess 318. <laughs> 459 people died under his care. Oh, my God. Those are the number of deaths. Keep in mind, not murders. Those are the number of people who died at his hand. As him Um, being their doctor. As him being their doctor. Oh, my God. Again, it's it's hard to prove how many of those are murder victims. Yes. Uh, But it was... Um, because, and also he was usually the one to single-handedly also sign the death certificate, which all of that's changed. I'll get into that. So what they did after his death was prove 250 people were murdered under his care within a 27 year period, 27 years. Holy shit. So he is this, like the world's most prolific serial he killer. Is, he has Highest been proven number. to kill based on body count more than any other person. He these are proven. Is that not Damn. crazy? Damn! Oh my god! And it's cr- because again, let's go back to the fact that he is a basic ass person, unremarkable, and he murdered. 250 people as a well-respected doctor. So. Holy shit. Obviously, this report caused a stir. Uh, Of course. So, the GMC, uh, they charged a lot of other doctors, like when he worked in other facilities along with other people. Mm-hmm. They charged them for misconduct because they also signed some of those cremation forms saying, yep, this is what happened. Um, and they noted that they definitely should have seen a pattern in his patients. Like, 
the number of home visits in relation to the death counts. So it's like you're going to these people's homes and then they die. And then they die. So none of these doctors were found guilty. Of course not. Um, Wow. There were also doctors charged for failing to detect what they call grossly excessive amounts of diamorphine. They were like, hey, buddy, um, you're a general practitioner. Why is, why, why? Why are you using this? this? Yeah. Yeah. So, crazy stuff. Um, And again, he doesn't have like a cookie cutter. I hear weird, do you hear that weird noise? Mm -mm. Okay, never mind. (laughs) He doesn't have the cookie cutter outline of a serial killer. Like, he didn't have this awful childhood. He didn't have these psychotic tendencies other than murder. But um, they did find equivalent to $13,000 worth of unidentified jewelry in his possession after his death. Um, There was somewhere around 100 pieces equaling that amount of money. His wife claimed, I think it was like 66 of the pieces, which is normal. They're like, she mm-hmm. obviously had jewelry. Mm-hmm. But 33 of the pieces, excuse me, 33 <laughs> of the pieces um, that she did not know where these came from were auctioned off um, to a charity that supported, um, uh, let's see, where was I at? Uh, just some sort of victim support charity. Okay. I think this is probably where, like, her, I, he might be guilty is setting in, where she's like, yeah, that's not mine, that's not mine, that's not mine, that's not mine. So, right. out of the hundred some odd pieces, there was only one piece that was given back, like, because it was identified by a family member with proof. It was a diamond ring, and it was given back to the victim's family. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know, there's something about that that's just so tragic to me. Yeah, like, your grandma so dies, sad. and, like... And he's taking that had, jewelry. Yeah, that those family heirlooms, and... Yeah, that's sad. Was, yeah, but at least it went to a good, a good place. But um, in Hyde Park, there... They constructed what they call the Garden of Tranquility It's in 2005, so very shortly after his death, to honor all of the victims. And how this shaped the world. So it caused first major changes in the in UK medicine, and it's they actually call it the shipment effect. Oh my god. (laughs) It made doctors reluctant to overprescribe. Hello. Good. Um, and they also did better notating. So, like, their better documentation. They were like, yeah. I'm going to make sure I do this on the day it's supposed to be done, exactly what's right. going on here. And I'm pretty sure it was made mainly electronic. So, it's like, there's no going back and re editing that shit. Right. Um, I wish that would happen here in the u.s but you know um yeah it's for another another day another topic of conversation for sure so uh they also required more forms for cremation so like they questioned you had to mark on the for like the forms whether or not this death was considered violent or unnatural 
just in case. And like a witness, um, I'm sure. Yeah, witnesses. Uh, but most importantly, I think this is huge, is they changed from a single doctor practice to a multi-doctor practice. So oh, wow. you cannot just open your own clinic and say, I'm the boss, we're going to play by my I'm the only one. are going to shut up. Yeah. Wow. So, again... Huge. That is the story of Harold Shipment, whose body count was 250 people proven, but Damn. could have been in the um, upwards of 459 patients. Yeah, I would say out of all 459 patients, I would say probably like 350. You know, that like, is over 50% of his patients died. That's like 75% of his patients. Sorry, out of fifty out of the sorry, now, out over, of all the deaths, yeah, out of all of the deaths, of like, not, out of right. all of the people who died at his hands, over half of them were murdered. That I would love is... to know his actual total like patient count. Yeah, in those twenty-seven years, like okay, out of the four hundred and fifty-nine that died, did he only have like seven hundred patients? So thirty percent right. of them lived. Like, how many patients did this man have? Exactly. Holy and shit. I, I think it was, I, again, I'm trying to remember exactly what the YouTube video said that I watched, but it, it was talking more numbers and like what's appropriate and what's not. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that if, out of any recorded doctor in history, yeah. Oh, this is what it was. So they would do, they compared his death counts, his number of patients to other doctors and said, okay, how is this different? Never was there one year where he was the same, like equivalent to their numbers. Like never oh. one year where they like, okay, oh, this that is matches normal. up with yeah. Joe Schmo. No, he was always in excess. Holy and okay, shit. this is the other crazy thing. I just remembered his like going along with how his patients died, like upright, fully clothed, nothing or very out of the norm mm -hmm. they also said they died on certain days of the week so like every monday tuesday thursday oh my were, god were like his deaths so it was like and like between the time periods of two and yes. four or something so like, like that okay this is strange considering it's natural like your natural deaths are scheduled yeah um, i mean wow. in the end it's a tragedy for the medical yeah. community that this went so undetected as it did um but it also again um may it it forced the medical medical community to be better it right. forced them to say okay Good. um we're stupid we cannot yeah. let this happen again so we need to we make need note of these things these doctors yeah. need to be held accountable when things go wrong so right. good did come from it, but it is crazy looking back at how badly things went. God, so crazy. Yeah. So like, crazy. Can you imagine being an investigator after 30 years of knowing who this guy is and his practice and being like, uh, did anyone look at this and notice that his patients only died on Mondays and Tuesdays? Like, right. That is Hello. just total negligence. God, so crazy. the story of Dr. Harold Shipman. Dr. 
That one got me. There was a little bit of salt in that one. Okay. So. That was awesome. Um, it is important, too. This was said that um, it really brought awareness um, because, you know, you obviously want to trust people in, in, in the medical profession and all that. Especially yeah. your doctor who is responsible for your health. But it is said that, like that it brought such awareness to just make little questions. Like right. if a doctor comes off in a disturbing way to you, it's okay to question authority. It's okay to say, Hey, I don't think this is right. And, and just it's because, okay to find another doctor. And like, it's okay. God. that just because someone is labeled a doctor, that does not mean they, they are, are the expert. smartest, mm -mm. that they are the best, that they are all of these things. Right. And it is okay to question these people just right. because they are labeled doctor. So, right. okay, well, now that Alexa <laughs> is back from her pee break, how was it? Share with the class. <laughs> um, very nice. I was Good. literally doing the pee pee dance <laughs> while I was sitting. I'm like moving. I'm like, okay, I really have to go. Oh, you get over there. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, I was literally about to say something and then totally forgot. All right. Well, I am going to get our patrons list pulled up. Do yeah. you want to talk about our sponsor? Yes, we are still thankfully sponsored by Color Up CBD. Um, we have a discount code Sinister20 to get 20% off of your skincare needs or your CBD needs. So check them out at colorupco.com or colorupcbd uh, on Instagram. Boom. Um, it's also really great on their Instagram. They yeah. do a lot of like educational things, mm. ingredient lists. Um, I know. Lots of live videos. Like definitely go and just follow them even just for some CBD knowledge. Yeah. And then, of course, thank you to everyone who supports our podcast and keeps these ring lights on yes. so justin <laughs> annette adrian nick valerie Haley, and angie you guys are the best um we do have some changes coming we do to patreon we're still kind of ironing out the details but um they're good changes you they guys are, are really like it <laughs> so stay tuned for that we'll probably talk about it on instagram yeah um also, I mean, might as well just let the cat out of the bag. Maybe even a collaboration coming up. So yes, that's gonna be so fun. Yeah, I'm excited. So you know, this story would have been like a great story for the collaboration. I Ugh. like thought about that whenever you told me that you were talking You're about. So him. right. I'm like, You're this so would have right. been so good, especially with like Dom's English accent to just oh like my gosh. some of the shit that. You know, he would say, I feel like that'd be so entertaining, but we'll, we'll, so find right. some, we'll find something. We'll figure it out. We'll yeah. figure it out. So, yeah. well, that's all we've got for you today. So, um, be sure if you're watching this on YouTube to like and subscribe, leave a please. comment everywhere else. Please give us a review yes. um, or physically download the episode. It really helps just number wise. And yes doesn't really affect you so yeah, share with all your friends and family because uh, we need it all right guys well we'll see you next time stay sinister boy